welcome to another episode of Sounds Japanese Canadian to Me with me, Raymond Nakamura. And me, Carolyn Nakagawa. So, Carolyn, you have a name, Nakagawa, which yeah. sort of evokes a sense of place. And my name, too, Nakamura, has a sense of place about it. So, it might be kind of interesting to discuss yeah. Japanese place names in Canada. Yeah, well, we were talking about this earlier, and our names are very similar, as、mm-hmm. people can generally recognize and often mix up. But so, Nakagawa means middle river. So, Naka meaning middle. And Nakamura means middle village, Kamura meaning village. And the Naka there is kind of ambiguous. It can either mean middle, like inside something, like in the middle of something, or it can mean middle as in like medium sized, or it can mean like central location, or、um, what else can Naka mean? I think that covers most of it. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. Any, any sort of thing that you can think of that's like middle, like, or、mm-hmm. in the middle of two things,、mm-hmm. right? So I'm always like, does that mean like a medium sized river, or does it mean like you're in the river、mm-hmm. and you're drowning, which would be a problem? <laughs> But when I was in Japan, I noticed that there's actually quite a few place names that are marked by Nakagawa. It seems to be a useful identifier. So I actually lived in a little area. I don't know if it's really a street or just like a neighborhood, but my address had the name Nakagawa in it as like it's by a river. I don't even know what river it was, but. So you actually、there. got to live by in Nakagawa. In Nakagawa.、Oh, yeah. Wow, that must、yeah. have been awesome. Did they yeah, give you、cool. special treatment or anything like that? No, they were、oh. just like, really? Like it's the same kanji? I'm like, yeah. So it's pretty fun. So it does make you feel special when your name is connected to a place. It feels, even though you don't have a direct connection,、mm-hmm. it's somehow like you're connected to it. And on the flip side, in Canada, you tend not to see many names that are, have Japanese connections. Like、uh, you feel、yeah. like an interloper、mm-hmm. still because there are all these、yeah. British people. All these strange,、names. like Lohid and Geglardi, and all these names that I don't know how to pronounce. But are things that you learn how to pronounce because they're around you.、Mm-hmm. But, sort of,、um, in our general survey of looking for topics for this podcast and general research about Japanese Canadian history, Raymond and I stumbled across this place called Ikeda Bay, which seems to maybe have been the first Japanese place name in Canada and I think one of the more significant ones. There was that picture in the collection of these guys with the big halibut, and it's、oh, yeah. labeled as being from Ikeda Bay.、Nice. I remember first coming across it doing research on the fisherman's exhibit, and it does stick out to you. Saying, oh, He actually had a place named after him. Yeah, because that's actually because this gentleman, Arichika Ikeda, who was an immigrant from Niigata Prefecture. Yeah. Don't、uh, know what part of Japan that that's, is. That's that up somewhere? north. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then he went originally to California, but before that, he seems like he was sort of an interesting, sort of enterprising gentleman because he was in medical school, but he decided that wasn't for him. And then he. Was on a relative's farm and he tried to farm tomatoes and cabbage and lettuce from seeds that he got imported from the United States, I think. But there wasn't a really a demand for those types of vegetables that were sort of exotic, strange vegetables. Yeah, I think he also had the problem of transporting it in a timely、yeah. way to the market. Because people who wanted them were foreigners, Ex-、yeah. expatriates who were living in the big cities, and that's not. Where the farm was. Right. So then he ended up going to America himself and immigrated to California. He did so many things, but the name of this Ikeda Bay, which is now I think technically Ikeda Cove. Oh. So originally it got named Bay, but I guess Bay sort of implies a bigger thing than Cove. So this is in Haida Gwaii, used to be known Queen Charlotte Islands. And he went up there and he came across an ore, copper ore. Right. And he was making his claim. 
Right. Because originally he was looking for a place to fish. Right. Yeah. But then he found coffers, so he decided he was going to register that claim. Well, I guess he knew all about that because he actually went up to Alaska with the Klondike Gold Rush. Initially, yeah. He didn't get rich from the gold rush, it seems, but he did write a book in Japanese about his experiences. His list of things he did just kind of keeps going on and on. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. He uh, had a lot of energy and enterprise. Yeah, that's quite something. And, and he was uh, apparently listed amongst the top 40 impressive Issei in this survey that the New Canadian did in the 1950s. Oh, really? Uh, yes, he was in that list. So this cove, he found this copper ore, and then he tried to make his claim in Victoria, but they didn't know what this area was called, so then he drew it out. And so he got an official notice saying that it was going to be named after him. Mm -hmm. So he didn't even ask for that or like have any idea what was going to happen. They just named it after him because he was the first person to actually stumble yeah. across it. Yeah, first person meaning non-native person. Yes, the first person to stumble across it and submit a document and try to own it in some way. Yeah. Which, as far as the government is concerned, is the first person. So then they just decided to name it after him, I guess. Yeah. So he opened his copper mine in around 1906 and was able to get a lot of Japanese workers to come over. And subsequently, there are a few other geographic points around there that have also been named in relation to it. There's an Arichika Island, so named after him. Obviously. Oh, really? Yeah. And there's an Awaya Point, which was one of the other principles of the original company when he started it. Mm. And there's also a Marco Island, which obviously is not Japanese, but it was named after James Marco, who is the superintendent of the Ikeda Bay copper mine a little bit later on. Wow. So he was a real leader. Yeah. There was an interesting description of him in a newspaper article that said, a most unusual man belonging to a special breed of adventurers, a man who dominated an exciting period in the history of the Queen Charlotte's, liked and trusted by all he met, no mean feat in those days when racial prejudice was rampant. Wow. That's quite impressive. So our learning about Ichiketa sort of inspired us to look into other place names. Around the museum right now, we're looking into things related to the First World War, but also the Russo-Japan War, because many of the soldiers that were Japanese-Canadian serving Canada in World War One, they gained experience in the military by serving in the Japanese military and then immigrating to Canada. So the Russo-Japanese War is connected in that way. One thing that came up was the village of Oyama, which is in the Okanagan. Have you heard of that place before, Raymond? I have passed by it, and oh, yeah? I'm more familiar for some reason. I think there's a sausage company that's called Oyama oh, really? that's based there, I think, because I've seen their stuff at Granville Island. Oh. And, and I remember passing by because I had a friend whose last name was Oyama. Mm -hmm. And you're never quite sure whether it actually has a Japanese connection, but yeah. it sure sounds Japanese. Well, it sounds like it could be, right? But it's yes. almost one of those names that could be anything. Right. And as a slight digression, there's a few others when I was looking up the gazetteer that sound Japanese but are not actually Japanese. There's a name Kusawa. Which oh, is that definitely sounds Japanese. It, yeah, it does, doesn't it, right? But apparently it's an Indian, Chilkat Indian name meaning windy water. So it's a First Nations... Yeah, a yeah, first, first nation. So a lot of them are First Nations words that end up sounding to somebody like right. like they could. Right. I mean, there's a lot of names that are First Nations derived or you know, right across Canada, including Canada. Yeah. Which is another oh, yeah. misunderstanding, yeah. which mm -hmm. also sounds like it could be Japanese. Uh huh. There's you know Canada, the Japanese. That's name. right. It's very similar. Yeah. But yeah. Canada itself is derived from misunderstanding of speaking to Indigenous people. And so some of them sound like they could be Japanese, and others don't. One yeah, that I've heard of as a, as a joke is Nanaimo. 
Oh. So I, I'm from I'm from Seven Potatoes. Stan Fukawa told me this once, yeah. the historian. And so instead of Nanaimo, that's yeah. the cute Seven Potatoes. Nanaimo, because Nana is seven and Imo means potato. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's uh, such a bad. Pun. And so I, I was thinking of other. There was another place in Ontario called Kenogami. Oh. So I was thinking that could be like a hairy god. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a Coco Lake. Yeah, that's in BC apparently. Coco Lake. Yeah. So um, it's like. The lake of here. Yeah, that's what it could mean. <laughs> or there's another, it depends on how you pronounce it this, mm-hmm. with the spelling. Because there's a place called Matane in Quebec. But uh-huh. if, with the spelling, it looks like Matane. <laughs> so, so you know, I think you're trying really hard to make these connections, Raymond. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also Okane, which could be Okane. So like money. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'll stop with that. <laughs> uh, anyway, going back yeah. to Oyama. Oyama is Japanese in origin, actually, that place name. Interestingly enough, because it was named in 1906 and not named after any Issei immigrants, but actually named after Field Marshal Oyama, who was, I guess, the main military guy in the japan Russo War. So people know about Admiral Togo, who was in charge of the Navy, but he was in charge of the Oh, was he involved? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So he was basically like Togo, but on land. And what happened was he got a lot of press. He became very well known because him and Togo and another Field Marshal named Yamagata were awarded an Order of Merit in 1906 by King Edward VII of England. Oh! Um, So those three men were the first people to receive that award who were not British subjects. Hmm. And it's said that the Order of Merit was given to such persons as may have rendered exceptionally meritorious service in our crown service or towards the advancement of the arts, learning, literature, and science or such other exceptional service. So as far as I can make out from that, you know, sort of flowery statement Mm -hmm, from 1906, mm -hmm. the Order of Merit is given by the King of England to people he thinks are really great. Mm -hmm. So he thought these three Japanese military Navy people were really great, and he gave them these awards, and everyone read about it all over the world in newspapers across the British Commonwealth. And the mother of the postmaster of Oyama, which was just... It was a new post office being built, I guess. Oh, I see. Was reading this in the newspaper and suggested that they name the new post office after Oyama. Oh, wow. And that's how it came about. Yeah. So that really does indicate the perception of Japan. I mean, for them to be so aware of it and think of it being mm-hmm. so great. It, yeah, it in it a does... place where there weren't necessarily any Japanese immigrants. Right, exactly. It was just yeah. the idea of yeah. this magnificent figure yeah. who the right. king thought was really great. Yeah. And in Japan, I think he also became a prince. He was named a prince as well. Mm-hmm. It does make me wonder whether that influenced... You know, there was the big influx of Japanese immigration in 1906 and then 1907 when they had the anti-Asian riots. Mm-hmm. Partly that was in response to the numbers of people coming from Japan. Mm-hmm. And then, almost ironically, then they had the Hayashi Lemieux Agreement after yeah. that to they, limit how many Japanese immigrants came. So I'm curious now, I haven't found out this, but you know whether that opened up the possibility for immigrants to be coming around that time. Hmm. Um, and then the other people kind of responded negatively to it. I don't know, because I think that before the Gentleman's Agreement, the Hayashi Lemieux Agreement, there weren't really restrictions at right. all. Right, yeah. And I don't think it was like that that had changed because of the Russo-Japanese War. Uh Well, I was just wondering whether they were somehow connected. There was a definite spike in the number of people who came over. Right, and if it had something to do with the Russo-Japan War. It might have even on their end. I'm not really sure what that made conditions like in Japan domestically. Right, 
Right. But yeah, it's interesting. But I don't know if many of them came to Oyama, BC. Mm. And then there was another place related to that time period. Oh, the Russo-Japan War. Yeah, because uh, there's a place... I went to this Canadian gazetteer looking for names that sounded Japanese. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, why, those, that's uh, why you're those, working those so hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there was one actually called Mikado, Saskatchewan. Oh, like the Gilbert and Sullivan? Yeah. So I don't know if it's related to that, but in this little video that I saw, there's mm-hmm. a guy standing in the middle of the street who's done a video, and basically there are 50 houses in this place, and, uh-huh. and the post office has subsequently closed down. But, okay. So uh, it sounds or, like probably a similar kind of place to Oyama, which is like really tiny. Yeah. This one is just sort of barely hanging on um but there was a railroad that passed through it and it was around the time of the russo japan war mm-hmm. that they decided to name it mikado mm-hmm. in honor which is the old name for the japanese emperor okay. so it was in connection to that time. right and the period of friendship between japan and britain when they were allies they were mm-hmm. signing gentlemen's agreements mm-hmm. they were mm-hmm. going to world war one together mm-hmm. so it's just a relic of that time period yeah, yeah. and people reflecting that in their everyday lives what was happening on a very high diplomatic level yeah interesting where is mikado uh it's sort of somewhere in the middle of saskatchewan hmm. i would not have expected that yeah i know it was it seemed totally out of the blue to me and it was hard to find any info except for this one guy's video mm-hmm. on youtube so <laughs> well thank goodness for that one guy yeah, right yeah. he taught you a lot then there's a few mountains named in honor of the Japanese-Canadian legacy. Mm-hmm. One of them is, of course, Mount Manzo Nagano, mm-hmm. which is in BC somewhere. Right, and so that was, uh, I think, named in honor of the 100th anniversary of his arrival. So yes, so in 1977. In, right, when they had the big centennial across Canada, so that was one of those. Mm-hmm. And it overlooks Oikeno Lake in the Coast Mountains. That sounds like a First Nations name. And it's about 400 kilometers northwest of Vancouver. And... Yeah, Manzo Nagano. We've mentioned him before. Most Mm -hmm. people have heard of him, but he was the first immigrant from Japan to Canada and was actually quite a community leader Mm -hmm. through his various enterprises in Vancouver, Victoria. So sort of an emblem. And of course, the 1977 centennial is based off of the date of his immigration of 1877. So it fits that they named a mountain after him Mm -hmm. for the centennial. And actually, I think there was something I read about some of his descendants climbed it. Oh, right, right, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 I saw something about that and some other people. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, to be able to climb a mountain named after your Mm, great-grandfather. But there's also Nikkei Mountain in Cumberland. Right. Which is an interesting story because it was originally called Jap Mountain. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, of course, Jap is a racial slur that was used against Japanese Canadians, particularly during the 1940s and the forced relocation. So it's very hurtful historically. So there had been a lot of Japanese in Cumberland for the mining. Yeah, so before the war and like very early in the 20th century, Mm -hmm. there were two established Japanese camps in Cumberland for the miners. So it's one of the really significant pre-war settlements on Mm -hmm. Vancouver Island. My grandfather on my mother's side originally went to Cumberland, but to work in a store rather than in in the coal mine. So he was part of the infrastructure. Yeah, I guess so. Right. So apparently sometime in the 70s, people in Cumberland, not Nikkei people because they had been forced to leave during the Mm -hmm, 40s mm -hmm. and I don't think they really came back to Cumberland, decided to name one of the taller mountains in the nearby mountain range. Jap Mountain because they wanted to commemorate the Japanese presence in the area because those were the mountains that loggers had logged for the sawmill there. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like it was actually Uh well-intentioned. 
but they just had no like, conception that it was actually an offensive word. Uh-huh. And then sometime, I think, in the 90s or early 2000s, when the Buddhist churches were doing a bus tour of the Japanese grave sites on Vancouver Island. Oh, yeah. So I think I mentioned that in our episode on Obon, is that after the Second World War, mm-hmm. the Buddhist churches organized tours of grave sites on Vancouver Island to help take care of the graves since the descendants of those people were forced to leave the area. Mm. So during one of those tours, they discovered a mountain named Jap Mountain on the map. Mm-hmm. And there was a Japanese cemetery at Kabul. Yes. So. Yeah. So that's what they were looking for. And they right. found the mountain, yeah. Jap Mountain, and uh-huh. then looked into it. This was Roy Inoue and later Richard Yagi also joined him in investigating how this mountain had come to be named as it was. And they got the NAJC involved and eventually everyone decided to rename it Nikkei Mountain. Hmm which is less offensive name. I had come across an article about a William Moncrief yeah. who uh, became mayor of Cumberland and was also involved in restoring the Japanese cemetery and pushing mm-hmm. for this naming of the Nikkei Mountain. Right. And, and he subsequently received an order of the Rising Sun from mm-hmm. Japan. Because he's considered an ally of the Japanese Canadians who mm. lived in Cumberland who were his schoolmates. Mm. So it seems like, yeah, the the people in Cumberland were well-meaning that they wanted Mm -hmm. to do right by this community that they had once been home to and eventually did, you know, once they got in contact with the Japanese-Canadian community through Roy Inoue and the NHAC, renamed it Nikkei Mountain to truly honor the Japanese-Canadians in the way that we feel more comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also found there is another Jap Mountain in the Kootenays, it's near a very small town named Salmo, and as far as I can tell, it's still named Jap Mountain, and it's a popular hiking spot. It was named that, I think, in the 1930s when there were Japanese workers there who worked in their shingle and sawmills. And it's just a really, really tiny place in the Kootenays, so as far as I can tell, I can't actually find very much about it, and I haven't been there. Hmm. But I think it's still named that to this day, although this was in an article about Nikkei Mountain. They said that the JCCA or maybe the NAJC was trying to get that renamed as well, but I don't know what happened with that. Right. I guess that's an interesting problem with naming. I mean, you have all the maps and all the infrastructure and everything built around place. How you deal with that idea? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's not easy to change a name, but even if, you know, you live in a small town and that's just the name of the place and Mm -hmm. you don't realize that it's offensive, Mm -hmm. right? it's acknowledging this history, which, you know, is nice, but it's not like you're in Vancouver and there's thousands of people who go by, you know, various streets in Vancouver every day. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of tucked away somewhere and it's just known to the locals. Right, right. And some places are remnants of when Japanese Canadians were there. Like Strawberry Hill in Surrey was originally an area where there were a lot of Japanese Canadians who were strawberry farmers. And they actually named their first school and community center Strawberry Hill. And that has remained. So even today, there's a neighborhood called Strawberry Hill, and that's a legacy of that time period. I think I remember hearing about that place when I was a kid and I wanted to go there and I was really disappointed that that there there were no strawberries. But it's still a good name. Yes. I've heard it generally said that usually places are named after things that are no longer there, Hmm. Uh, like often Loon Lakes. That would be appropriate for any Japanese place named BC. Although Oyama, for example, never set foot in Canada. Hmm. Only his legend did. (laughs) Yeah, his name lasts beyond that. And so sometimes there are some other Japanese names that have kind of uh, convoluted 
history. Mm-hmm. The uh, there's the place in Richmond, Minoru Park. Minoru Park. Yes. And then there are these other streets associated with that uh, mm-hmm. Minoru Boulevard. Although it's mm-hmm. often called Minoru, and so when you hear it. That- Right. It's not obviously Japanese. But, well, I mean, that's the other direction of your Okane Lake, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, Minori Boulevard, it is Japanese, though, yeah. right? But it's named after a horse? Yeah, so it's, it's indirect. This horse, which was, this was back in 1909 that it won the Derby for the King in um, Great Britain. Right, but the horse is named after a person. Yes, who is of Japanese descent. Yeah, so it's this rich Scottish guy named William Hall Walker. Right. Who had this Japanese garden built at his estate. Yes, in Ireland. So he was a Scottish guy in Ireland. I don't even want to get into it. (laughs) And so then his gardener was named Tasa Eida. Mm -hmm. And he married a white woman. Oh, okay. Named so, Claire. There's a picture oh, of Oh, interesting. Okay. And, and then, so then their son was Minoru, and then this horse got named after. Oh, so Minoru son. was Hapa. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So oh. when, especially when you think about the time. That's quite remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So then the horse was named Minoru after the gardener's son. Yes. And the horse won this derby in 1909. And then, then when they were setting up this park in Richmond, B.C., Mm-hmm. Because the horse was so famous, they decided to name it after the horse. Yeah, and it's interesting to me that they closed the racing track with the outbreak of World War One, and they reopened it in 1920, but they called it Brighouse Park. But then this article that I read said that they reclaimed the name Minoru in 1960 to honor the long history of horse racing at the site. It's so ironic, right? Because Richmond, there's such a long history of Japanese-Canadians settling there. Yes. With Steveston, but the big thing is this horse. Yes. But then they had a statue built of Minoru. That's right. In 2009 with the centennial of the park. So the statue of the horse, and it was dedicated to the winning spirit of Richmond's early pioneers of both Eastern and Western cultures. And the men and women of the early thoroughbred racing industry in Richmond. Mm. So that's nice. They kind of acknowledge that there's that expectation that doesn't get fulfilled. Uh-huh. But it's uh-huh. still an important yeah, yeah, part that's of a good this, point. the history and of the city. Apparently the son of Minoru, Brian, was at that ceremony. Wow. Well. Yeah, so there was that so original connection There's also. a living connection to the human Minoru. Yeah. And supposedly that Japanese garden in Ireland is still there. No way. Yeah. Oh, you can go so, to that. Yeah. We can have a whole worldwide tour of, of Japanese of places that we've talked about in this podcast. Oh, yeah. That's right. There's that too, yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of them might be more interesting than others. Uh-huh. There are a few other places in Richmond that have Japanese names that I haven't been able to find the origins of. These are street names. Street so names. there's Hayashi Court, mm-hmm. Katsura Street, Nishi Court. Yoshida Court. So I think these are right. relatively new streets that they've... So it's with. maybe a conscious effort from Richmond to try and honor that history. Well, my family is originating in Stevenson, and I recognize some of those names as names from my family, so I wonder if they're looking at the early settlers in uh-huh. Stevenson. There is, in Mission, B.C., an active list, a street list of Japanese-Canadian settlers. Like um, a database of existing Yeah, so names, they, they have a list of possible street names so that when developers are making a new street they can choose from this list oh so they've been pre-screened it's like that's when right. you need to name that's the street, right yes here's here's yes. The street here's, here, here are your oh, options okay. and there was a an alderman named sharon brown who was an advocate for these japanese Canadian pioneers oh, great and so some of the names are uh there's one of them after Hashizume, who also wrote a history book on the Japanese settlers and mission. Oh, so, okay. And his family, Perfect, I, I think, had a farm there. Mm-hmm. And there's also a Shikaze court, 
there's another Oyama. So I think that one is a Japanese Canadian. Oh, Japanese Canadian Oyama uh, uh, counterpart. Yeah, Kudo and Fujino Street. So those are at least some of the ones that are actively being used. Oh, so those ones have been assigned to actual places. Yes. Fantastic. And one that I came across in Vancouver, which has a Japanese connection, but not strictly Japanese Canadian history, is there's a little street called Bonsai. What? Really? Yeah. (laughs) It's only one block long. I passed by it frequently because it's by this gas station that I go to. And it's because it's parallel with McDonald Street. And so this is in Kitsilano on the in west In Kitsilano, side. yeah. And so originally there used to be two sections of McDonald. It's also close to these other tree streets, like, like you know, you Alder and, and yeah, Arbutus. And, yeah. yeah. And so in the spirit of that, and also because it's short, it's yeah, only one, say, is it one because block. they like pruned it yeah, to yeah, one yeah, block. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's actually what it said in this document about the naming of the street. That idea of it being connected to the trees, mm-hmm. the tree streets, and it being short. Right. They went with bonsai. Well, bonsai is not like a type of tree like you no that's true but in the spirit of it being a small yeah. tree small <laughs> small thing pruned yes. and modified maybe subsequently i don't that's know just a but, joke yeah on the part of the people bit. who are in charge of those things yeah so i think we've been able to have a wide-ranging exploration of how names and place and history all kind of interconnect some speculation, some unique and unexpected history um, from the bigger Mm-hmm. bays that turn into coves and to the smaller street names that we sort of walk by every day mm-hmm. yeah and i think it shows that that history is like you said it's the history that's no longer there in a lot of cases but it's re-emerging as people become more conscious of commemorating it mm-hmm. which is pretty cool so some of these places are japanese canadian and the sort of origin of their names and others are not they're more actually from japan because of you know global influences and others are just uh raymond's wishful thinking <laughs> well that sounds japanese canadian to me well it sounds japanese canadian to me too and let us know if you know of any other place names that are japanese or japanese canadian in origin in canada until next time <laughs>